Looking to learn more about St. Joseph during this year of St. Joseph? Well, stay tuned because in this episode, we're going to be interviewing Father Boniface Hicks about his new book. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hey, great to be with you. Hi, Father. All right. So for those of our viewers who don't know, uh, Father Boniface Hicks is a Benedictine monk in the St. Vincent Arch Abbey in Pennsylvania. He has his PhD in computer science, no big deal, from Penn State University and is the programming manager and contributor for We Are One Body Catholic Radio and in his spare time is also the director of spiritual formation for St. Vincent <laughs> Seminary. So Father Boniface, we are honored to have you on this show to talk about uh, Through the Heart of St. Joseph, your new book. Yeah. But for, uh, for again, for kind of our listeners who haven't gotten to know you yet, give us the Cliff Notes version of your journey to uh, Catholicism and where I know Katie just wants to have the whole episode to hear your story, but it's true. <laughs> just another time. We'll do that another time. That's right. That sounds great. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I'm, I'm grateful to be with you and uh, it's been a, a journey for me. And, and part of what led me to St. Joseph is that uh, journey of faith that you're recognizing. I grew up uh, without any faith, uh, without going to church, unbaptized and kind of had dismissed Christianity as even an option or something realistic or whatever uh, by the time I went to college. But through an evangelical uh, who a total stranger invited me to study the Bible with him one-on-one, -on -one, I came to know Christ and believe in the scriptures and uh, started my, my journey into, well, towards baptism. I sort of had the idea that the Catholic Church was the whole thing. That was one of those freebies God gave me. I can't give you an explanation for why I thought that, but happy that I did and uh, made my way into the Catholic faith. And, and then pretty quickly, even as I was journeying towards the, the church, was already discerning a, a vocation to priesthood. I, in discovering the gift of prayer, I, I really found a purpose for my life. And uh, computer science is nice, but anyway, being able to share prayer with people was something I could really give my life to. Um, just to tie it to St. Joseph for a moment, the, that journey that was, was heavily sort of evangelical and Bible-oriented didn't have much emphasis on the saints, including mm -hmm. Mary and Joseph, who are really biblical saints, but anyway, you know yeah. the thing. So uh, when I came into the Catholic faith, getting to know Mary was the first thing, and uh, I just asked her, like, I want to know you, and I don't, and I know that you're important. Help me. And she put people in my path and, and opportunities and really developed a deep relationship with her. And as I was preparing to be ordained a deacon on my retreat, I was kneeling down in, uh, in, the, in the chapel and saw the statue of St. Joseph and had the same feeling. I don't really know you, but you're everywhere. Obviously, you're important. I want to. And that kind of launched my journey with St. Joseph. And so yeah. I really feel like my book is a result of playing catch up because I didn't have the benefit of being raised Catholic. I've uh, had to catch up on all of these things. And hopefully uh, that's a that's a benefit for everybody else, too. For sure. I Man, just hearing your story makes me think a little bit about my faith journey and how how pivotal Mary was in, especially the, the early on, I guess my, my infancy uh, in my faith, especially in, in high school and in college. But um, as I've grown deeper in my faith, I have just uh, been able to see that St. Joseph has just been walking there the whole time and, and been able to grow in that relationship with him, especially in my fatherhood or in, in my, you know, being a husband and then in my fatherhood. Um, it's been amazing just to, to see how that relationship kind of has grown as well, similar to you. 
Which to me is ironic because his middle name is Joseph. And for me, St. Joseph <laughs> was huge in my conversion and this like reality that he's always had that spirituality. So as we dive into the St. Joseph spirituality and how we live that out, I am very grateful to have my own Joseph uh, for our family in a way. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, so as we read the book, mm -hmm. there were a so many good things, so many I ahas mm -hmm. and also just deepenings, I think, I, especially for people who in this year of St. Joseph have been really striving to form a relationship. Maybe they've done a consecration or mm -hmm. read another book. I think this, I, one of the places you explained it is like the 2.0. And like, kind of like you know, like you you want to take this into how do we live it out yeah. after a thirty three day consecration? How do we live this out after we've started that initial relationship? And so, one of the first things that stood out, especially in our culture today, uh, is this idea of cultivating silence. I think. We have a lot of noise <laughs> um, outside of us and for me internally, often, um, <laughs> but this reality of I want to make room for God, that when he knocks on the door, that I am, I am open, mm -hmm. that I have that room. Can you dive a little bit about how St. Joseph can teach us that? Well, I think it's a great way to describe the kind of silence that we're talking about just as you did really making a space it's making an opening uh and, and in, a, in a way there's something very feminine about that uh making making a, a space of receptivity to receive the word you know the uh, the seeds of the word so that is the the kind of contemplative silence it's not a silence because he's too dull to think about things it's not a silence of of empty-headedness it's not a silence of or of a you know some of the kind of Eastern practices that people get into, which sometimes are, you know, have their own thing because we're so noisy. I often think of our interiors is sometimes being like one of those snow globes, you know, it's like you shake it up and then it's got all the like, little things floating around in there. And then how do you get those things to s settle down? You yeah. can't like do anything. You just have to sit there. And yeah. I think some of the, you know, kind of Eastern things that have come in and captured people, it's like really just holding the snow globe and letting the stuff settle. Okay, that's mm -hmm. a good preparation. But then mm -hmm. how do we really open ourselves to be present, to listen, to make to make space? And, uh, and, and a couple of the other chapters of the book also orient to that, like how do we make space for Joseph? Well, by being more vulnerable, by being little. Uh, those are ways that we make space by being little, we make space for a father. When we're self-sufficient, when we're assertive, you know, and little children do that, right? I'll do it my way. <laughs> that doesn't make room for the father. But but the the kinds of silence are, you know, moving some of our stuff out of the way to make to make room for for Joseph to step in and and be with us, and then also to sit with him to look to the mystery. I mean, what what was it like for him to be in the workshed with Jesus? Uh, to, in the in the carpenter shop with Jesus, and just to look over, you know, maybe the first thing that Jesus ever made, maybe the fifth thing that he ever made out of uh, out of wood. And, you know, his little hands also had to grow. And even though he's God, I mean, he created wood. And at the same time, like to create something out of wood as a human being is a different experience that Joseph formed him in. But what are those moments that he just went, "Whoa, this is God that I'm." And, and just that overwhelm, like to speak, to try to describe it, spoils it. 
And that's the kind of silence, the contemplative silence that's, it's so full, there's nothing left to say. It's, mm -hmm. it's so full, there's no way to conceptualize it beyond just to stand there in awe. And, and that's the really coming before the mystery. And I think, I think Joseph really, really teaches us that. Uh, such an important difference between Eastern and Christian mm -hmm. meditation and this idea of like emptying ourselves versus emptying ourselves to fill ourselves with Christ and with the Holy Spirit and to mm -hmm. allow him to come in because something fills that space and we want that to be the Trinity, not mm. something else. Uh, but this, I I love those images that you just uh, gave and mm -hmm. gave in the book. I think there's another one that's a quote that is just like imagining him staring into the eyes of Jesus as the baby mm. infant and like how beautiful it is to just sit and meditate that. And then the idea of becoming a child, I to allow St. Joseph to re-father us, no matter how good or bad our earthly father was in circumstances, mm. to allow him to come in in those moments uh is like is such a good whole chapter on the book um and then the reality of i also appreciate the newness the looking through the eyes of a child allowing us to mm. become a child like yeah. i it's probably one of my favorite things in being a mom is watching my kids ask like why mm. and like figuring things out and like they're so excited and you're like yes it's a banana <laughs> like <laughs> it's something that is super ordinary <laughs> and yet like their joy and their excitement in that to to be able to go back mm. and do that a little bit mm -hmm. yeah I, I really like the um the image or kind of like the question that gets posed of if the Holy Family were to knock on the door of your heart, would you have room in the inn for them? Mm. Uh, and it's like, ah, dude, that just that cuts deep because mm. there's so much. And, and there's a lot of good that we also try to fill our life with. But sometimes we just, we lose the point. We forget that um, we're here to have this relationship with Christ. And St. Joseph is the one who's like bringing him to our doorstep for us. Yeah. Getting stuck in mm -hmm. our own thoughts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh. Um, with that, yeah. I think the you talked a little bit about the virtue and just the way of St. Joseph living the hidden life. Another thing that our world does not necessarily value is all of the little sacrifices that we make or this mm. contemplation, this silence, this I in your vocation, you know, going to prayer, especially and like all of all of it, <laughs> but in parenting as well, um, all of those little hidden sacrifices. And so how we can look at St. Joseph in the hidden life and how he yeah. lives that. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. And, and I think uh, one of the things that, that you're pointing to, and I, and I love the, the different points that stood out to you. Those are, uh, those are some of my favorite images and, and insights too. It's, uh, I remember my, my brother, having the experience of introducing his son to a train and uh and just seeing his son oh, that's amazing and my brother feeling very privileged to to be there to witness that to to facilitate that and that was one of the things in my mind as i was writing that section about saint joseph fostering the awe and wonder you know god who created everything but to experience it experiential knowledge as a human being is something that jesus could grow in so when we we hear about Jesus growing in wisdom and grace before God and men, you know, it's a, those are the kinds of experiences that he can't have except to have them as a human yeah. being. And so uh, a lot of beautiful things to meditate on there. And 
as you were just uh, now, I just lost the thread. Ah, the, the, <laughs> the, the hidden, hidden life. The hidden yeah. life. Thank you. So, so the, uh, the the connections that you're also making about the ordinariness. You know, we we have this idea, right? So the 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 Catholic link couple and the priest and the thing. You know, like these are the people that are really living, and everybody else is just sort of like getting by or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it couldn't be farther from the truth. The Holy Family was the people that were just getting by. Yeah. Most of their life is not documented in Scripture or anywhere else. Most of their life, like the vast majority. And it tells us how the, the real history doesn't take place on the pages of Wikipedia. You know, the real history doesn't take place in the pages of the history book. The real history takes place in your home and takes mm -hmm. place in the, the homes of others who are who are watching us. And we really learn that from the Holy Family. Most of their life doesn't take place in the in the public eye. And it was apparently so ordinary that nobody noticed. I mean, when Jesus comes forth, who is this? Where do you get all this? Isn't this the carpenter's son? And so they apparently were living a very ordinary life. And yet it was filled with God, right? Jesus is there. He is in the midst, in the flesh, really him. God is right there on in every moment of every day at lunch, you know, at bedtime, uh, at when they're, when they're walking to the temple for, you know, when they're walking to synagogue on a weekly basis, when they're walking to the temple a few times a year, God is really there in the most ordinary things. And, and so our, much of our lives are hidden and, and our interior thoughts. And Jesus really teaches us to cultivate that. I, as I was, uh, describing Joseph's hiddenness and, the way that his prayer would be hidden, his sacrifices would be hidden, his goodness would be hidden. I suddenly realized, well, this sounds like Matthew chapter six, uh, when Jesus was teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, that gospel that we read for Ash Wednesday every year. When you pray, pray in secret. When you fast, fast in, se in secret. When you, when you give alms, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Your father who is hidden, your father who is hidden, like, oh, St. Joseph oh. and the fatherhood. And oh, it's not interesting how that can come together there. And so it's a real encouragement. We're, we, we, we need affirmation. It's a fundamental part of life. Thank God for wonderful parents like yourselves and the, your little ones who get that affirmation and your, your loving presence and, and emotional presence. But as we, as we grow, we have to develop our own personal relationship with God. And that, that happens also in the hidden interior life. And that's an important thing for us to cultivate that our, our lives aren't merely lived in front of people uh, for recognition, but are also lived in the, in the silence and the hiddenness of our interior. It's, a, it's such a juxtaposition of, you know, we love inspiring people to become, you know, the, to achieve the greatness, you know, that God has in, in plan for them. But at the same time, it's also helping them just know and experience the fact that like, they are living God's plan mm -hmm. through changing diapers in the middle of the night. Or, you know, right. like, like sweeping the floors. Like these are just, I, I think God takes so much delight in just doing those ordinary things with extraordinary love. Mm -hmm. I think that's, um, I don't know, hopefully that's an inspiration to people because it's an inspiration to me, <laughs> certainly. Um, I did want to ask though, one of the things that stood out to me in the book was uh, this, maybe because I'm in the military, but the, uh, the strategy that God had in order through St. Joseph. So you talked about how St. Joseph veiled the Holy Family and kind of shielded them from the devil. Can you touch on that a little bit more? Maybe we'll 
pull that thread and see where it goes. Yeah, yeah it's an it's an insight from Ignatius of Antioch, who is uh, one of the very early church fathers. He was a disciple of, uh, well, one of the traditions is that he was the child that Jesus placed in the midst and said, unless you become like this Whoa. child. Uh, but then also in the school of John the Evangelist and, and uh, uh, friends with St. Polycarp. Anyway, these, these early, uh, uh, very early saints. And, and he had this insight about the St. Joseph veiling the Holy Family from the devil. And then Origen, who was an early church father, one of the first theologians really in the third century, quoted this and, and, and reflected on it and says, well, that's because the devil was looking for a, for a virgin, not for a married woman. So that was the, the insight that, and, and what it points to, which again, I want to lean into your vocation in marriage and probably many of those who are, who are watching, called to or already married, uh, the importance of marriage. The, sometimes we have the idea that, that Jesus, that, that the angel was going to, or the Holy Spirit was going to conceive in Mary, the, the incarnate word. Like that was the main thing. And then, by the way, like Joseph kind of got in there in this weird way. And then, you know, like if he hadn't gotten in there, then he might not have, you know, it didn't really matter. We just, we just photobombed the scene. Yeah, like photobombed. Like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Right, right, exactly. Just, you know, photobombed the incarnation, the enunciation. But, <laughs> this is the, really about Mary. She's the one that's good and holy. <laughs> yeah. And, and anyway, there's a, you know, there's a point to all of that and how that developed. But, but I think in our time, one of the reasons St. Joseph is being brought to the forefront, and one of the things that we, we certainly get from scripture and then from the reflections on it by the fathers of the church, like Ignatius of Antioch and Origen and, and a number of others after them, is that the marriage was really necessary. And so uh, Augustine actually reflected on this and reflecting on whether it was a real marriage. Did it, you know, I mean, you know that a marriage has to be consummated and, mm -hmm. and ultimately to bear fruit. And he said, well, the marriage did bear fruit. It bore the fruit of God. So not because they physically consummated, but it was still the marriage that bore the fruit. In other words, if they weren't married, she would not have conceived of the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's so the so marriage cool. is really necessary. And Pope mm -hmm. Francis gave us this beautiful insight at the World Meeting of Families. He just pointed out, it's very simple. He said, God created the world through a family and he redeems the world through a family. Very mm -hmm. simple. It's so important. The family is so important. Again, we can have the idea like the family is just kind of a procreation factory or something. Well, we need yeah. new children. You know, they come through families, so we got to get some people together. And um, but it couldn't be farther from the truth. It's actually the the whole of reality is reflected. It's the primordial sacrament. Mm -hmm. Marriage is the sacrament on which everything else is shaped. And so it's uh, it's just it's it's so important. So, so the strategy, uh, now, now a little bit more into the strategy for the military man, uh, <laughs> you know, initially to hide the mystery. And, and I think to veil the ordinary life, to protect the family as such, you know, these 30 years in Nazareth, it's just a lot of beauty there. But we have a kind of parallel between Joseph and, and Michael. Michael was also, St. Michael also was there to protect the child and, uh, and his mother, right? In Revelation 12, he does that by raising up an army and doing battle against Satan and his, and his minions. In the case of Joseph, God's plan is just for him to disappear. And so when, when Herod is slaughtering innocents, God says, okay, Joseph, 
take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Now, Joseph may have very well had in his heart, like, I'm ready, Lord, I'll, yeah. I'll fight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, he was a man who was ready to fight and protect his family. But God's instruction was just disappear. And, and Joseph served as a veil over the Holy Family, disappearing into Egypt. Uh, even the finding the manger in Bethlehem was a kind of disappearing act. You know, the, the shepherds and magi were directed, but apparently nobody else found them. And then they come back to Nazareth and are living this very veiled life that nobody knows that the incarnate word and the immaculate conception are living next door. So Joseph serves as this, this veil. The mystery was entrusted to him to hide. The mystery was entrusted to the apostles to reveal. And, and so we find, you know, the, these dimensions of the church's life are still present today. We who have come to know the mystery in some cases are called to just carry it in our hearts. All of us are called to do that to a certain degree. Again, pray to your father in secret, go to your inner room and pray to your father in secret. That's a command for everybody. Uh, some of us are also called to proclaim it, you know, on, on Catholic link or uh, in various other elements, areas of our life. We're all called on mission to one degree or another, but again, more vocal proclamation, more hidden prayer. There's a, there's a kind of spectrum there a more Joseph side, a more apostolic side, a mixture of both. But but God's initial plan, initial, initial strategy was just to hide the mystery. The mystery was hidden from ages past in the bosom of the father and then entered into time in the bosom of the mother and under the care of the father. And uh, then eventually in the fullness of time, uh, probably after the death of Joseph really is the unveiling of the mystery and then yeah. going forth into the wedding at Cana and the first sign and so forth. Oh, that's such a beautiful uh, truth mm. and a totally different lens than what our society wants to present. And I think it's just so important because it leans into, I think, to the true masculinity of St. Joseph, which mm. I think what is masculinity and you know what does that look like in humility and in surrendering to god's plan and in not stepping up and taking the sword and like i'm gonna go to battle when like that probably is not well it was definitely not god's plan so that's that's the end of that but the idea that that submission is actually a masculine capacity and then the protection that he provided mm -hmm. to his family so when i think of that veiling the idea that he is there standing as the one at the door, mm -hmm. you know, and saying like, I have the most precious creations ever, uh, gifts, God himself in my home. And I am going to stand here as the barrier, as the veil, as the protector, which we veil the tabernacle, we veil women uh, in this idea that it is out of protection and out of love. I, oh, it's such a, such a gorgeous uh, truth in there. In the book, you also talk about uh, the St. Joseph option. And I think that this is a really good conversation for families to hear of how we live out the spiritual journey of St. Joseph, how we live out the spirituality. And you use four different saints and talk in depth with this. Um, but can you give us a little taste of ideas of how we could make our homes a little more like the Holy Family's yeah. home in Nazareth? 
Well, my uh, inspiration for that last chapter was after the first five chapters of different pathways for developing a relationship, how do we create an environment that other people can develop a relationship? And as a Benedictine monk, I've reflected for a number of years on St. Joseph and uh, neither Mary nor Joseph appear by name in the rule of Benedict. And I've thought about that for a long time. Now that was written 1500 years ago. You know, there's a whole devotional life in the church that's come to fuller fruition in those 15 centuries. But uh, what I came to after a while is, is realizing that the life that St. Benedict models is really a life that's living in the presence of Jesus with Joseph and Mary. And mm -hmm. so in a sense, uh, Benedict chose the Joseph option. This was my insight to borrow the phrase from Roger Ayer's book, The Benedict Option. Well, Benedict chose the Joseph option. Yeah. Uh, so just take it another <laughs> step back and, uh, and, and really cultivating a Nazareth. And the, the fundamental point of the rule of St. Benedict, and I would say the fundamental point in a Nazareth is, is knowing that God's presence is always with us. And so then it's really a matter of arranging our lives so that we become aware of God's presence and we help others to become aware of God's presence. Now, I have all of these images in my office. You have the one nice crucifix there over your head, but this is one way that we remind ourselves of the presence of God. We, we also do it by praying before meals, praying at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day. We, we saturate the day in prayer, and then we, we renew that sense of God's presence throughout the day. As I was describing a little earlier, Joseph would have done, I imagine, in the workshop, periodically remembering, because it wasn't obvious, Joseph, Jesus was a, a boy. He yeah. was a young man. He, he was human in appearance and, I mean, was really human. And, and that's all that he appeared to be. He wasn't sort of glowing. And uh, so <laughs> Joseph had to remember, this is God. Mm. And God is really with us in that way. He is really with us all the time. And we also have to remember in the ordinariness of life, God is here. God is in me. Mm -hmm. Cardinal Seurat actually said in The Power of Silence, God is, God is no, nowhere more present on earth than he is in the human heart. Wow. Yeah, it's a big deal. You know, so sometimes we think God is only in church. No, no, God yeah. is really alive in us you know, presuming we're in a state of grace, these kinds of things. But then the, the real indwelling presence of God through baptism is uh, is something that we can call on and be aware of his presence. So I think that's the, the real fundamental thing. But uh, then, then finding ways to be attentive to God, you know, maybe making those little practices, the Angelus three times a day is a way we can sanctify the day. Or if you pray the liturgy of the hours, wonderful. That's what the, that's what the monks do. Uh, and as I said, the our prayer before meals, but also the way that we welcome guests. Uh, yeah. Saint Benedict sees the presence of God in the in the elderly, in the sick, in the guests, and also speaking through the young. Uh, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, you know, when your little ones introduce you to things by their awe and wonder, their their fascination by a banana, uh, to really allow <laughs> yourself to see God in that. Jesus was like this, and mm -hmm. and these are ways that as as you become more aware of God's presence with you throughout every day, then it, it has a way of helping others to be aware of that also. And, uh, and I think that's what monasteries often do. People always comment when they come to St. Vincent, which is a big place. And it's, you know, it's been around for 175 years and we have a lot of monks. And, uh, but people always say, well, there's so much peace here. 
And I think that's a real sign of Nazareth. Uh, another little connection, you know, St. Uh, Paul VI talked about Nazareth being a, a school uh, for, for family life, a school for Christian discipleship. And St. Benedict uses the, the same image that the monastery is meant to be a school for the Lord's service. And, and so I think that's a way that we can take it up as well, that, that we're learning. We want to create an environment in which we can learn to be disciples. We can learn to be close to, to Jesus, that we can learn this, uh, this, this way that, that he has shot it, taught us that, that uh, you know, we can be students, uh, school children at, at all times and in our homes, in our workplaces, in these places, we can take the Joseph option and turn them into Nazareth. The, yeah, it's it's such a uh, such a beautiful image, and and something I I've thought about more, even especially after reading the book and and looking at our children, just doing, um, you know, projects with my son, you know, to be able to look at him in 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 some way as Saint Joseph looked at Jesus, and to be able to know that he has he is made in the image and likeness of God. He has the Holy spirit within him. Like he is a vessel of God and man, that is mind blowing to just look into the eyes of a child and know that God is present in that human being and that you were part of creating that human being which, and that soul, eternal that. soul. Like <laughs> I just, sometimes we get lost in the hustle and bustle of the day, but then to step back and just look at the miracle of the family and just how incredible it all is. And I think to those parents who are struggling in the day to day, because parenthood yeah. is hard and it's a sacrifice and it's sanctifying and it's beautiful and it's hard. <laughs> uh, and so I, one of the things you say in the book is like, God didn't send us into Egypt to find our own way out. He sent the Holy Family in with us. Mm. And I think the reality that like I can look to the Holy Family and yes, now I'm not raising God. It, <laughs> he is not, not sinless, but I am raising a child made in the image and likeness of God, when you say that that is the place that God is most present here on this earth, like how that should change the way that I interact with my kids mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis and how I can love them and say, I am loving you, Jesus, through them. Like mm -hmm. that is where the sacrifice is coming from that is growing me. It is hard. <laughs> and that God didn't send me into that alone, into this vocation. And to know that Again, he is present in all of this is so much of that Joseph option that you uh, so eloquently expressed. Mm. Beautiful. So, Beautiful. So uh, one, of, one of the last things I wanted to touch on was something that uh, I think is a little bit of a misconception for, uh, it was for me for a long time until I started to learn more about St. Joseph is the idea that when Joseph found out that uh, Mary had conceived, that, you know, the Bible talks about that he was going to divorce her quietly. Um, and when you look at that through the lens of today, you would think, oh, well, you know, he probably just thought that she was unfaithful. You know, he doesn't really know something happened. And so he just kind of decided to walk away. But you talk about in the book that it's, if you, as you start to uh, learn more and be a disciple of St. Joseph, that probably wasn't the case. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, it's a... Uh it's a matter of, uh, of translation in part, understanding the, the Greek that's being used in that passage, Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25, the Annunciation of Joseph. And there's a, there's a beautiful book that's out of print, unfortunately, Mary and the Mystery of the Covenant, but Ignace de la Poterie goes into this uh, using all the scripture tools, you know, all the things. 
and uh, and really opens it up in a beautiful way. But yeah, the going into the tradition of the church and especially the interpretation in in the West, Saint Bernard, uh, Saint Augustine, Saint Jerome, we're certainly seeing uh, Saint Teresa of Avila, Saint Francis de Sales. You know, all these uh, folks. Uh, really read in that, not sort of the suspicious boyfriend who thinks that his girlfriend was cheating on him. And then like, cause he's not, cause he's a nice guy. He's not going to kill her, you know? Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's sort of the way it comes across in our lectionary translation. Actually, the, the new American Bible sort of favors just some of the word choices and arrangements of the grammar almost favors that interpretation, which uh, anyway, is I think a pretty poor interpretation of that passage. Rather, uh, going with St. Bernard or, or Pope John Paul or Pope Benedict or Pope Francis, for that matter, the idea that Joseph, because it says she was, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So that's one little yeah. thing. Found by whom? I mean, uh, mm, found by Joseph yeah. Yeah. with yeah. child of the Holy Spirit. So he knows that there's, at least he knows there's a divine mystery that's unfolding here. Because also when it says Joseph is a just man, it's really saying he's a saint, uh, mm -hmm. And in fact, Catholic theology would unfold. He is the greatest man who ever lived. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jesus is God. And uh, but but as far as pure, purely human people go, uh, Joseph is the best. Mary is the holiest man or woman uh, who ever lived. So uh, well, Mary's not a man. Anyway, you understand. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mary's the holiest person who ever lived uh, and, and certainly the holiest woman. But. So when we get that, it's like, okay, so one saint is seeing something happen to another saint and is not immediately thinking, oh, she committed sin. Yeah. Now, St. <laughs> Teresa of Avila's spiritual director wrestled with this and thought, well, if, it, if there were a natural explanation, what could it possibly be in, in Joseph's mind? Maybe that she was raped and had conceived mm -hmm. for that reason. Yeah. And that's also an explanation why he would feel like he had failed as protector. Yeah. And he would say, she just should be with her family. I, I'm, not, I'm not up to this. So that would be one natural explanation. But otherwise, there's a supernatural explanation. And Joseph either knows what it is or doesn't know what it is. But he knows that it's supernatural. Yeah. And that's where you get a little bit of range. Bernard, St. Bernard says he knew exactly what was going on. Holy Spirit, God, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pope Benedict, Pope John Paul say he knows that there's a divine mystery unfolding. He doesn't know the details. But in either case, he feels unworthy to be a part of it. Yeah. And then we think of St. Peter, Lord, I'm not worthy. Uh, I'm Depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Or the centurion, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Yeah. And so then, then we see St. Joseph, and the word doesn't have to be translated divorce either, separated yeah. himself. Apoluo is uh, to separate himself from her. Um, and, and he did that in order not to unveil her. So yeah. that's the expose her to shame is how the, I think the one of the translations says, but, but it could also be translated. He, he refused. He didn't want to unveil her. He felt like being a part of it would mess it up. He would yeah. spoil the mystery. And so by separating himself from her, he could sort of keep things hidden in, yeah. in a way. Um, but then the angel appears to him and says, Joseph, don't be afraid that she conceived by the Holy spirit. Sometimes if you read it a different way, it's don't be afraid because she conceived by the Holy Spirit. No, that's exactly yeah. what he was afraid of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she had conceived of the Holy Spirit. And so don't be afraid that she conceived of the Holy Spirit. She will, she will, she will bear a son and you have a role. Mm -hmm. You are to name him Jesus. 
And, and for a Jewish man, he understood what that meant. He's going to give the name. He's the father. He's going to yeah. be the father of this child. And so he realizes he's being given the grace to do something that's beyond his human capacity. And mm -hmm. he's going to be the father. He's going to father the son of God and, mm -hmm. and, and take care of him. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a much yeah. fuller way to, to understand that passage mm -hmm. and to yeah. understand the Holy Family. And, and what, a, what a powerful image for men to, to have that example of humility, to know that he is not worthy to raise the son of God, but for God to take that humility and then to say, no, like you are going to be the, I, I, it gives me goosebumps to think like you to have an angel say that you are going to be the father of the Messiah, the son of God, like in all of eternity, God has chosen you as a man to show Jesus how to be a man, yeah. um, you know, That's a true incredible. man. I think that is just so incredible. Um, well, uh, Father Boniface, we, I think we could spend all afternoon talking to you. But and that would be a joy. And where, thank you. Where could people go to find more about your book and, and about you and the stuff that you have going on? Uh, well, I do have a website, fatherboniface.org. So you have to spell out father and you have to figure out how to spell Boniface. B-O-N-I-F-A-C-E. <laughs> so fatherboniface.org. And the the book and, and, and two other books that I co-wrote with one of my confreres, Father Tom Acklin, are available through Emmaus Road Publishing, which is, mm -hmm. uh, you can find at stpaulcenter.org, and that has the endorsements and the, the things. Um, oh. You can order it from there, but you can order it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or, or whatever you like as well. Yeah, I, I definitely recommend our viewers to check out St. Paul Center. The work that they do is is incredible. And we'll link your website yes. down below in the description as well as a direct link to buy the book. Mm -hmm. And so thank you so much, Father. Would you actually be willing oh, yeah. to uh, pray give for a, give a blessing give for, our, blessings for, our, for our, viewers. our viewers? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, pour your grace into the hearts of all those who are with us, especially Drew and Katie, for all married couples and especially for all men and fathers through the intercession of St. Joseph. Help them to draw closer to Jesus under the fatherhood, under the fatherly care of St. Joseph and hiddenness and silence and littleness and vulnerability, finding his protection and suffering and learning how to cultivate an environment in Nazareth and their own space that can help others to get to know the Holy Family. And through the intercession of Our Lady and St. Joseph, may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ah, thank you so much, Father. Thank you. For all our listeners, again, check out Father Boniface's book, Through the Heart of St. Joseph. We'll leave the links in the description. Um, and we are praying for you all until next time. God bless. <laughs>